Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's Scout Fantasy Sports. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am Adam Ronis. From ScoutFantasySports.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Adam Ronis on Instagram at Aaron88. I'm here for the next hour taking you until 8 p.m. Eastern. We do this every weekday for one hour. If you can't listen live, of course, you can always check it out on demand. Search podcast for Scout Fantasy Sports and become a subscriber today. This way you can get notifications whenever a new podcast appears, which is nightly. They go up pretty quickly, so you can listen pretty much right after it goes live. So make sure you check it out today and check out all my work, scoutfantasysports.com. And if you subscribe today, Ronis70 gets you 70% off your first month. So it's basically free, so why not? And that will lead you to the Fantasy Football Championship. And it covers either the season-long package, you can do NFL DFS, NBA DFS, whatever you choose, it will cover. So again, Ronis70 to use that promo code. Plenty of content up there today. I take an early look at the Week 12 waiver wire, and this is actually a pretty interesting week. I think there's some good players to acquire, even in the deeper format. So uh, we'll obviously go a little bit more in-depth tomorrow with the Fab article, so you can check that out. But I have some early look at the waiver wire for this week up there now. Dr. Otto has his Week 11 prescription notes as well as a podcast we have the injury report from Bill Enright. And there was uh, quite a few injuries yesterday as well. You can ask your questions on the message boards and the forums anytime. Of course, we have M- NBA DFS, where you get use of the optimizer as well. And it's been crushing. And obviously tonight, with a lot of injuries, it's very important to kind of hit refresh and keep updated as well as uh, Dallas Mavericks are shorthanded as well as the Indiana Pacers. So value opening up tonight. And uh, we got you covered there. Uh, Definitely check it out. It's been money, giving you a lot of good value picks. So take advantage of it now. Of course, NFL DFS optimizer yesterday had Saquon Barkley and the Giants defense, which came through. So that was a good one. So uh, Michael Thomas, I believe, was in there too. I know. I think it was was T.Y. Hilton in there. I love T.Y. Hilton this week. He was one of my big starts. I think T.Y. Hilton was in there. Well, I don't remember if I put him in, but I love T.Y. Hilton this week, and he obviously went off. By the way, we got you covered with the RDA projections as well, so make sure you check it out. And, of course, VegasWhispers.com for your sports betting needs. Still doing very well in the season. A couple of the NFL season was rough on Sunday. Only a couple picks given out, but it was, it was a rough uh, weekend there. But, again, overall percentage is really good. You can check it out at Vegas Whispers. They document all the picks each day. And I uh, haven't seen a pick yet for Monday Night Football. I'm sure it'll go out soon, but 9-2 and two so far, Monday Night Football this year. And, of course, we've got a great game tonight. Everyone looking excited to this, the Rams and the Chiefs. The game originally supposed to be in Mexico City, but moved 
to Los Angeles because of the field conditions. We already have some news on this game, which is surprising to me. Sammy Watkins is active for the Chiefs. I don't think people saw this coming. You know, he did not practice on Friday. He did not practice Saturday. The Chiefs even promoted a receiver from the practice squad. So all the indications were Watkins was not going to play. And this is big for fantasy owners because there were a lot of people, especially with six teams on by, that probably said, I can't wait till Monday night. If you didn't have, like, who else do you have in this game that you would flip between Watkins? Maybe Josh Reynolds? You couldn't do Chris Conley or Demarcus Robinson. Sure, there's a game with an over-under of 63.5, and there's always a shot that, you know, someone scores in this game, anyone being on the field, if it lives up to expectations. But you wouldn't have felt good about that unless you really had an inferior option. You know, I remember getting a question over the weekend and it said something about, you know, do I wait on Sammy Watkins? I couldn't remember the receiver they went with, but they said I could add Conley or Robinson in case Watkins doesn't go, and I didn't want to do that. And again, the indications were that Watkins was not going to play. This was Sunday morning, and I've always said I answer questions the way I would handle my own team, and I don't have Sammy Watkins this year, but if I did – I wouldn't have waited for him. When you see no practice Friday, no practice Saturday, and a receiver promoted from the practice squad, that's not a good sign. And especially Sammy Watkins, a guy that has a history of foot injury. So there's probably a lot of pissed off people right now. And I can't blame you uh, because you want a piece of this game. You know, Watkins could absolutely score a touchdown tonight. He could have a good game in this, and he's had some. So uh, really surprising to see Sammy Watkins active. If you waited it out and took a chance – you're obviously being rewarded because he's active. Again, we'll also have to see how healthy he is, but definitely uh, certainly surprising to see him active in this one. So if you're you know playing DFS, then there you go. Uh, the showdown has a lot of options tonight. People who set their lineups and left probably didn't have Sammy Watkins in it. So maybe Watkins is a guy that could be a little bit low-owned and uh, maybe come through for you tonight if you're playing in that showdown slate in DFS. Let's take a look at some of the top storylines from the week and some news from today. Here we go again. It's the carousel quarterbacks in Tampa Bay. Ryan Fitzpatrick had a really bad performance against the Giants, throwing a few interceptions, turning the ball over, and he was pulled from the game. In the second half, Fitzpatrick had 167 passing yards, but three interceptions. He did salvage his day with a rushing touchdown if You did use him. Uh, I did use him in a super flex league. But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers went to Jameis Winston. And uh, Winston played okay. You know, he had uh, 12 of 16 for 199, two touchdowns, an interception, five carries for 16 yards. He also fumbled near the goal line, but Mike Evans recovered it. Look, uh, they're going to go with Winston in week 12. And it was a little bit surprising because the thing is, if Winston gets injured, his option kicks in. And it's like $20.9 million. So I think that's what a lot of people felt. Like, okay, Winston did not play well. They gave him justification for going to Fitzpatrick. We all knew Fitzpatrick was eventually going to have games like this. That's just what he's been throughout his whole career. But he got off to the great start this year and had three 400-yard games. Now, Winston is also prone to turnovers. But he's also going to put up numbers. He has a ton of interceptions, though, in the year. He's got 11 interceptions in five games. He has eight touchdowns. He can run a little bit as well. So he's going to take chances. 
He's going to force the ball in the tight windows. He's going to chuck it downfield. So you have to know that. So in leagues that are heavily penalized for interceptions, he hurts. But there's a lot of weapons in this offense. And this is a defense that's atrocious. They're going to be playing from behind. They really don't have a great running game. I know Peyton Barber had a good game this past week. That was against the Giants. And Barber has pretty, run pretty well this year, I will say that. But they're a team that's just so awful defensively that they're going to be playing from behind, and they're going to have to abandon the running game at times, and it's going to put the ball in the quarterback's hands a lot. I mean, you know, two games this year, Winston, where he started, he had 41 and 52 attempts. So, and even the game against Cincinnati where he was pulled, he had 35 attempts. So it's great volume for a quarterback. You're going to have to worry about the interceptions and the fumbles lost. But, you know, he does have fantasy value. He could be on the waiver wire. For those teams that are really suffering at the quarterback position, you know, I have a couple leagues where I'm not really strong at quarterback. I think Winston's still rostered in those leagues, so I would take a shot. The other risk that you have to understand is that Winston could be pulled at any time. You know, would it be surprising if Winston goes out there this week and gets pulled after the first half or in the middle of the third quarter because he's bad again? So that's a risk that you have to understand because we're heading into week 12 where people are battling for playoff spots. And these next two weeks are crucial. It could determine whether you're in or out. And that's a risk that you have to understand that comes with Jameis Winston as your quarterback. O.J. Howard got injured yesterday. He injured his ankle. He's getting a second opinion on it. The initial testing showed good news, but the Bucks just want to be safe and he will get another examination. So he got hurt uh, against the Giants on the final drive. So we won't get an injury report for the Buccaneers until Wednesday. Uh, so there's a good chance he sets out this week. And if that does happen, then Cameron Brait all of a sudden becomes someone you can look to pick up off the waiver wire. Obviously, Cameron Brait has been seeing a downturn in looks this year and targets, only 26 targets so far. And that's because O.J. Howard is so good. And also they have a multitude of options at the receiver position. But we have seen Jameis Winston in the past loves looking for Cameron Brait near the goal line. And we know tight end has been a disastrous position. Eric Ebron owners can attest to that. We'll talk about him a little bit later on. But, uh, you know, we knew Ebron was uh, vol very volatile and certainly dependent on touchdowns. And you saw what happened yesterday as he had no targets and uh, one pass attempt. He did attempt to pass into the end zone for Andrew Locke. And uh, it was incomplete, but uh, Brait's a, a guy to keep an eye on. Just a terrible injury yesterday for Alex Smith, a broken right leg. It had compound and other fractures. It's just brutal for Alex Smith. It looked ugly on the field. Look, he has not been having a good year. He probably wasn't your fantasy quarterback unless you played in a super flex league. And even then, your third quarterback, he hasn't been putting up numbers, but you hate to see any player go down like that. And it was ugly. And, you know, the Redskins now will turn to Colt McCoy. Uh, he came in. The Redskins lost to the Texans. They're now six and four. Dallas, meanwhile, has won two in a row. They are now five and five. And if Dallas beats the Redskins on Thursday, on Thanksgiving Day, Dallas goes into first place. So how quickly things change in the NFL. It looked like the Redskins and even the Eagles might be in good shape for that division. But uh, all of a sudden, Dallas in control, uh, at least for this week. They win. They're in first place. And obviously, the Redskins offense takes a hit. Look, Alex Smith wasn't performing well to begin with anyway, and it's not like they opened it up. So is it a downgraded Colt McCoy? Yes. But it's not like this offense was producing for fantasy anyway. It's pretty much been Adrian Peterson, who's been touchdown reliant since he doesn't do much in the passing game. So uh, not, not like you were relying on many Redskins 
Anyway, Kerryon Johnson with a knee injury. He has a knee sprain, and the problem is the Lions play on Thursday. So all reports indicate he's not going to play this week. And Kerryon Johnson was really coming on strong. You know, he had a, a really good game in Week 10 against the Bears, and we know how good the Bears are defensively. He had two touchdowns in that game. And then against Carolina, man, he was looking really good. He was 15 for 87 with a rushing touchdown and caught two passes for 10 yards. He was really starting to get more involved in the passing game, too. I think the departure of Golden Tate played a part. But look at the game log here. Week 8, 8 targets. Week 9, 5 targets. And Week 10, 6 targets. So even with Theo Riddick playing a big role, we were seeing Kerryon Johnson get involved more in the passing game. So this is a real tough break for fantasy owners because Kerryon Johnson coming on strong. It looks like the Lions finally have their answer at running back. So now this week, the Bears, who played Sunday night, now have to play the early game in Detroit on Thursday. But Detroit's probably going to go with uh, LeGarrette Blunt, Theo Riddick, maybe Zach Center. I mean, it's ugly. I mean, LeGarrette Blunt is very touchdown dependent. You don't want to use him. Theo Riddick has a floor in PPR. You know, we talked about this Friday with Willie Walls. You know, Riddick was 4,000 on DraftKings. And I said, okay, but what's his ceiling? And it's not high unless he scores a touchdown. So I don't like using him in daily because of that. And what did Riddick do this past week? Seven targets, five for 30. So eight points for 4,000. He only got you 2X. So that's my problem with him in DFS. Season long, you can use him uh, in PPR formats. You know, look what he's done the last three weeks since Tate has left. At least seven targets in each game and anywhere between 8 and 12 points in PPR, and that's with one carry. And he probably will get a few more, but as we've seen, they're reluctant to use him between the tackles. We saw it last year. It did not go well at all. Traquan Smith had a huge game yesterday, and I'm sure a lot of people had him on the bench. And if you did, in some circumstances, it was justified. I have him in one league. I wrote about him before the year. Late August, I said, this guy's a stash in cash. He had a great preseason and training camp. And it was just a matter of time before he got an opportunity. And we saw a glimpse of it in week five where he had three for 111 and two touchdowns. And then he's kind of been quiet since. And in week 10, he had no targets in a game where the Saints scored 51. So I put him in my deep sleeper column, which comes out on Saturday, and said, you got to forget about last week that the Philadelphia secondary is banged up and Smith is on the field quite often. And anytime you have a player in the Saints offense, because we know they could spread it around, you got to look to him. I have Trey Smith. Somehow in only one league, actually two, I did have him on the bench in one. It, it wouldn't have mattered. I would have lost anyway, but I need the points. But I did play him in my uh, scout league, the play FFWC online league, beat Adam Ronis league. I played him 13 targets for Smith, 10 catches, 157 yards, and a touchdown, showing off his immense upside. But they have a game on Thursday. They're playing the Falcons on Thursday night. Now, the Saints didn't practice today, but because it's a short week, they issue a practice report, and they put Smith on it as did not practice with a foot injury. So, you know, we don't know yet. It's still too early, but something to wor- uh, worth monitoring in case you were already getting ready to pencil Smith in your lineup this week. Let's see if, you know, it could be nothing. And, you know, obviously they're playing it safe with a Thursday game. Something to keep in mind. And look, Smith's not someone I think you could start every single week because he's not getting 13 targets every week. There's Michael Thomas. Kamara, I don't even think, was targeted in the passing game. I know one, I think, on his touchdown was the only target he had when he scored there late in the early in the fourth quarter on that fourth down play. But uh, Smith tantalizing upside, and that's why he's always in the conversation as a wide receiver three in this offense. 
Marvin Jones, same story with him. The Lions play on Thursday. They did not practice, but they have a practice report. They listed Marvin Jones as a non-participant in practice if they actually did have a practice. So my guess is Marvin Jones doesn't play this week. He has a bone bruise on his knee. He did not play this past week, and it's just a tough break for fantasy owners because I loved Marvin Jones the rest of the year with no Golden Tate, a team that was going to be playing from behind and passing quite a bit. I mean, look at the targets that Marvin Jones had since Tate was gone, 10, 8, and 7. He had the 7 for 117 with two touchdowns and 6 for 66. I think Marvin Jones was in position to finish really strong, and now you know, you're not going to have him at a critical time. Certainly it opens up for Kenny Galladay, who's a stud. We all knew that. He made a sensational touchdown catch yesterday. If you didn't see it, he's going to get a huge target share. I know people were worried about the matchup there. And him getting extra attention, it doesn't matter. I mean, look at the targets the last two weeks, 13 and 14 against Carolina, 14 targets, eight receptions, 113 yards, and a touchdown. This is a guy that you have to get in your lineup every week the rest of the way because he's going to get a ton of volume in this offense. Lots more to touch upon when we return. We'll go over some of the other injuries and the implications for your fantasy team going forward, as well as some of the other top storylines from Week 11 and what it means for your fantasy team going forward. I'm Adam Ronis. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I'm Adam Ronis. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Ronis. Also, ScoutFantasySports.com. Become a member today. Ronis70 gets you 70% off your first month. That's basically free. Why would you pass that up? Got the injury report. I have an early look at the waiver wire pickups for Week 12, and there's some good ones this week. Dr. Ruddle's podcast, as well as his Week 11 prescription notes, and plenty of tools to help you with our premium wide receiver matchups report, points allowed by position, snap count report, uh, of course, our message boards and forums where you can ask your questions at any time you want, and uh, we'll get an answer from Dr. Roto, myself, Sean Childs, of course, Scout DFS as well, where we cover you for NBA, NHL, and NFL, you get access to an optimizer, write-ups, and as well as uh, plenty of good tools, including the stacks tool for NFL. It's really good. You can decide which team you want to stack, who you want to run it back with on the other side, and uh, it gives you the top values as well. So definitely a valuable tool. And VegasWhispers.com for your sports betting needs. They're 9-2 and two on Monday night. Not a great weekend for NFL this week. Only a couple bets, but it was not good. And we're transparent. You could always go to at VegasWhispers.com. We're never going to say, oh, yeah, we won everything. We don't, but the percentage is usually good. Uh, last I checked, it was like 69% over the last 10 days. I haven't seen an update, but they updated. They tweeted out usually at the end of every night with all the picks for the day to let you guys know. And, you know, we all know there's there's going to be losses. You're going to have bad spells, but uh, more often than not, these guys have been on fire, and I recommend definitely trying them out today. In case you're just joining us, 
Sammy Watkins is active tonight for the Chiefs. So this is definitely a big surprise. I think most people expected him not to play. He did not practice Friday or Saturday. They called up a player from the practice squad, a receiver, so that would have led you to believe, okay, Watkins' uh, foot injury is a problem. He's not going to play. Well, he's active. So I can't blame anyone that benched Watkins and played someone else on Sunday because they didn't have any other alternative in this Monday night game. It happens. And he easily could have not have played. And if you have waited, you would have gotten a zero. You got to understand the risk that's involved. And at this time of the year, I mean, you never want to. You never want to take a zero. Never want to do it. Because there's always the possibility that someone else on your team gets a zero. It could happen. I mean, did anyone think Carson Wentz was going to crap the bed like he did yesterday? I mean, boy, was that a brutal performance. 156 yards. No touchdowns, three interceptions. Oh, boy, we'll get into that a little bit later on. But uh, you can't take that risk. Some of the other headlines from Week 11. Marcus Mariota, man, what a disaster the Titans offense is, man. Just when you're like, okay, here we go. The Titans are getting ready to go. They beat the Cowboys on Monday night. They beat the Patriots. And then they don't even show up against the Colts. And it didn't help matters when Marcus Mariota left the game. He was sitting there on the field. It was late in the first half. It was right before halftime. He was flexing his right hand. Remember, he had nerve damage in his elbow earlier this year, which caused him to lose feeling in his hand. He had a tough time gripping the ball, and that was one of the reasons why the offense struggled. Then after the bye in the aforementioned two games, he played very well, and you started to feel good. And then... He goes out. I mean, look, he was not playing well in the first half to begin with anyway, as the Colts are really playing well right now. But you would have figured, okay, Mariota stays in the game. You know, you get some production from some of the other guys. Mariota was 10 to 13 for 85 yards, no touchdowns, an interception, and four carries for 17 yards. He left, though. Blaine Gabbert came in, and it was just a disaster for that offense there, as you really got nothing, even in a game where they were coming from behind. You'd expect, okay, Deion Lewis can get four, five, six receptions. And it didn't happen. It's two straight weeks now that I I didn't use Deion Lewis this week in DFS. I used him the week before against New England. But I'm sure people went back to him this week. And uh, once again, it, it did not matter. 38-10 to 10 as the Colts just beat up on the Titans. So, Mario, it's a stinger is what they're saying. They're hoping he can play next week. They play Monday night against the Texans. I did have Mariota in two of my seasonal long lineups this past week. And, yeah, I'm probably going to lose both. One of them, I'm st- actually, they're both still alive, but it's not looking good. So I'm sure if you use Mariota this week as a streamer, uh, you're probably losing, and uh, it doesn't feel good. Uh, you're not going to wait for him Monday night next week anyway. Uh, and I think there are better options. Texans, pretty good team here, and I uh, think Mariota, you can't trust what the team says anyway with him. John Gruden said that Jordy Nelson could return in Week 12 against the Ravens. Not great. I mean, look. This team is so bad right now. Now, they did win, but that was against the Cardinals. Now they're going against the Ravens' defense, and the Ravens' defense is not dominant, but this is the Raiders. So, yeah, Jordy Nelson could be the number one on this team, but what does that mean? Are you really excited to play him? I'm not. Obviously, Brandon LaFell tore his Achilles, so he's done for the year. Martavis Bryant, he has a PCL injury, so he's out indefinitely. So that means Jordy should get a ton of targets. I'm not sure what it means in this offense. I mean, Jared Cook's probably the one guy. Even the running back situation is a little bit of concern. You know, a lot of people were kind of outraged because Doug Martin barely played in the second half, and there was no report of an injury. And look, Martin has actually looked pretty good. You know, I 
kind of bashed him a little bit, but when he's been on the field, he's been pretty good. The problem is the environment. You know, they play from behind, and they don't use him much on passing downs. They go to Jalen Richard, and it hurts Doug Martin in fantasy. It's tough to, to get behind him. It's not a guy I really want in my lineup unless it's like bye week issues or a very deep league, you know, 14-16 team league. So John Gruden said he's not concerned with Martin's ankle injury. He said, I think he'll be okay. But then he said he benched him because he wanted to get DeAndre Washington more touches going forward. So I don't know what to make of this backfield. Jalen Richard's pretty much the safe guy in PPR. Otherwise, really don't want uh, a part of it. Jimmy Graham, we know, got hurt in the Thursday night game with a broken thumb. Mike McCarthy said that Graham will try to play through it. So they're working on different splints and protections to try to get him ready. Obviously, the Packers are still in playoff contention, but they've lost three of the last four, and they play the Vikings on Sunday. They pretty much need to win that game. So uh, we'll wait and see what happens with Jimmy Graham and whether uh, you can play him. Obviously, the tight end position, such a disaster right now. And Graham really hasn't done much this year. Been a disappointment. And uh, I didn't draft him because I thought he was going a little bit too high. Lamar Jackson played for the Ravens and started because Joe Flacco was out with a hip injury. Now, John Harbaugh said there's a chance Flacco could return for Week 12. He said it's not a surgical thing. It's calming down with the hip just calming down. He says he's not a doctor and they'll wait and see. So... The Raiders are next up. The Ravens have a really good schedule in the weeks ahead. Now, Lamar Jackson, 13-19 for 150 passing yards, no touchdowns and an interception. You could see clearly they didn't really have confidence in him passing the ball. They didn't ask him to do much, especially early in the game. Now, he didn't make any major mistakes except the interception where he was kind of scrambling, pulled up, and then made a, a bad decision, bad throw. And... On the ground, though, 27 carries for Lamar Jackson. The first time a quarterback has had that many since 1950, and he rushed for 117 yards. And this is just an example, and I talked about it last week, of what a running quarterback could do. They have such a high floor. You know, in one of my leagues, he gave me like 17, 18 points without even getting a touchdown because of what he does on the ground. Now, he's not going to run 27 times every week. A quarterback's not going to survive like that, and he did take some big hits. So in the long run, it's not going to happen. But if he gets 10 to 15 and can throw a passing touchdown and then maybe get a rushing touchdown, you're looking at a big day. So I played him over Kirk Cousins in a league where I needed a, a win, and the difference was small. I think Cousins outscored him by just two points, and that was with Cousins really just getting a lot of garbage time production on that final drive with Stephon Diggs just racking up a ton of receptions, probably leading people to victory last night. But Lamar Jackson is in play. I mean, he's going against the – look, the Bengals are a bad defense too, but it is a divisional game, and the Bengals had something to play for. Now you're going against the Raiders this week who have no pass rush. Jackson should be able to shred them. I'm sure they'll have a little bit more confidence too and open it up. Now the issue here is it really hurts the receiving core. And I have John Brown in two leagues. One, I benched him. The other one, I played him just because I really didn't have better options. I had bye week issues and injuries, and I did not feel good. If you asked a question with John Brown, you probably got someone else. Because with Lamar Jackson, at quarterback, you just couldn't count on him. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, all the receivers took a hit here. Again, he only completed 13 passes. They did not go deep at all. Brown caught one pass for 23 yards. And if I remember correctly on that play, it was basically a broken play. It was not a design play where Jackson kind of scrambled to his right, found Brown, and then Brown picked up some yardage. So 
That was his only target of the game. Crabtree, three targets, one catch, seven yards. Willie Snead was the only guy. Five for 51 on eight targets. You really can't use any of these guys. Now, it is the Raiders next week, so maybe because they are that bad. I mean, they allowed Josh Rosen to throw three touchdowns, so maybe. But you're definitely dampening the outlook because we see the shift. With Joe Flacco, they were actually pass-heavy. With Lamar Jackson, they were very run-heavy. I mean, 54 carries on the day. So they controlled the, the game and ran the ball a lot. Now, the other development here is Gus Edwards. Yes, you guys are probably sitting there yesterday seeing the leaderboards and watching him like, who the hell is Gus Edwards? Yes, Gus Edwards led this backfield yesterday. And it was surprising because going into uh, the game, he had 15 carries on the season. Now, we did see him in week six get 10 carries for 42 yards, but then we kind of saw him disappear. But it was Edwards who had 17 carries, 115 yards, and a rushing touchdown when a lot of people felt like this was the week for Alex Collins. We knew the Bengals' defense is hurting, decimated on defense really bad, and Collins did score a touchdown, but he had seven carries for 18 yards. He did not force a missed tackle, and Edwards, I think, forced like seven or eight missed tackles. So I don't know what's going to happen going forward. You know, Harbaugh mentioned some comments that he's like, we haven't had a north-south runner like this since early in the year, and that, you know, this was – talked about for a while that he's been practicing well and they were going to utilize him at some point i'm picking him up off the wave wire i don't know if this trend will continue but clearly they are not enamored with alex collins ty montgomery finally suited up since the trade but he wasn't involved in the offense and buck allen is done i mean i cut buck allen a couple weeks ago in my leagues so edwards was good he's got a great matchup against the raiders it sounds like harbaugh is going to play the hot hand but Edwards looks to be that hot hand right now. And this is potentially a starting running back on a team with Lamar Jackson, probably a quarterback. You know, I think he sticks. Why not at this point, right? It's not like Flacco was doing much. Harbaugh sounded irritated at some of the questions. So we'll have to wait and see. But Lamar Jackson should be fine against the Raiders. So I'm going to pick up Edwards. And he's pretty much out there in every league. I don't think anyone owns Gus Edwards. If you own Gus Edwards, tweet me at it at Adam Ronis and show me your roster, because I don't believe you. He's not even owned in the uh, in the Fantasy Football World Championship leagues I'm in. He was an afterthought, so uh, I'm sure he's not on any rosters. I know he's not owned in my 14-team league. So, look, we're getting late in the year, and in some leagues, including the high-stakes leagues, the uh, waiver wire closes after week 13. So we basically have two weeks left, week 12, week 13. So there's no need to hold the money now. So I would take a shot on him for sure off the waiver wire Definitely one of the biggest waiver wire pickups this week. Uh, that's uh, without question. Once again, uh, you know, Joe Mixon had a tough matchup. He did score a touchdown to save his day. Only 12 carries, 14 yards. He did have three for 38 through the air. And Tyler Boyd got the 11 targets, which is four for 71. Although there was a report today from Josina Anderson of ESPN basically saying that there's a good chance that A.J. Green returns next week. He, it sounded like he was... I don't think he was close, but they didn't rule him out until Sunday morning. They listed him as doubtful, though. So, Bengals obviously fighting for their playoff lives. I think it's like five or six teams in the AFC are all tied at 5-5. Five and five. Bengals are one of them. So, uh, A.J. Green is certainly someone that you want to get back on your roster at this point if you're a team headed to the playoffs because uh, I have A.J. Green in two leagues. I definitely need him back. Dak Prescott was a popular streamer this week, but he really didn't come through. It was disappointing on both sides of that game. Cowboys did get the win, but Prescott only 208 passing yards, did rush for a touchdown, 
But still, I think you expected more. And he was certainly a popular play in DFS as well. Ezekiel Elliott, though, he didn't disappoint. 23 for 122 and a touchdown. Seven catches for 79 yards and eight targets. And this was one of the things I was saying before the year. The Cowboys have to get Ezekiel Elliott more involved in the passing game because that was the common complaint you heard among the people who were like, well, I can't take Elliott in the top three, top four. He's not involved in the passing game enough. And I said the skill set is there. We have seen it. It's a matter of Dallas dialing it up and actually getting him the ball because we saw him last year, you know, in some games have four or five receptions. You know how many receptions Zeke has this year? It's 42. 42. We got six games to go. Say he averages three per game. That's 18. We're looking at a guy who's going to catch 60 passes this year. And maybe more. Look what they've done over the last two weeks. Six and seven receptions. He had a seven reception game in week five. So he's finally getting the ball more in the passing game. And that is now 20 targets over the last three weeks. So good job there by Dallas. Finally, uh, getting the ball in his hands, and Zeke certainly was a popular DFS play, and uh, he came through big time this weekend if you used him. Amari Cooper, though, was a disappointment, three for 36. Uh, look, the Cowboys' offense has been better. He's going to get the targets, only five in this game, as uh, Cole Beasley had seven. The frustrations of the Atlanta running game was back. You know, we saw one good game for Tevin Coleman, but it's just really tough to rely on him. It's hard for me to recommend Tevin Coleman when I'm getting a question because he's basically spitting with Edo Smith and he's got to have a touchdown to come through and not enough targets his way, only three for 27. So that's been the biggest problem with uh, the Falcons running backs. They basically split it so touchdown dependent and there's many weeks where they don't get double digit touches. Uh, we saw a big game from DJ Moore and not a surprise. Moore is really talented and it's taken way too long for Carolina to get him involved. And hopefully you had DJ Moore in your lineups. I know he was cheap in DFS. I didn't use him. I considered him like my first lineup of the week. I usually kind of just throw something in there real quick based on impulse. And I threw DJ Moore in there. But then after doing some research, you know, took him out. I thought he was in play. But, you know, if you had 10, 15 lineups, if you do, and I typically don't, then, yeah, you can get him in there because he was so cheap. And remember, you always want to look – at recent performances. When you have a talented player coming off down games, people flock away. And DJ Moore had one for 16 in a blow-up spot against Tampa in Week 9, and then four for 20 against Pittsburgh when they just uh, fell out of it. And good matchup this week against Detroit. He had eight targets, seven catches for 157 yards, and a touchdown. So he came through big time. And even Curtis Samuel had a pretty good game. He had five catches, 55 yards, and a touchdown on seven targets. Devin Funches was miserable. Dropped a touchdown, dropped several other passes. He had eight targets in this game, two for 39. It's really hard to have confidence in him, and you got to think Carolina's going to go heavy with DJ Moore going forward because uh, he looked really good uh, yesterday. And Greg Olson, two for nine and a touchdown. You know, he's not getting heavy volume, but always in position to score each week. And, you know, I think if you have Greg Olson, you're going to put him in your lineup, but you got to understand – that, you know, he just doesn't have the high ceiling anymore. And that foot injury, too, and he needs surgery at the end of the year. So that was my biggest concern. And I do have him on a team, and I'm certainly going to use him. But lots more to get to when we return, including the Colts. I mean, the Colts are playing great football right now. I don't think people realize how good this offensive line has been. And I keep getting questions every week about Andrew Luck. 
Can they please stop? All right. There's very few quarterbacks you're playing over Andrew Luck. We're going to break it down when we return. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am Adam Ronis here until 8 p.m. Eastern as we get set for the biggest game of the season so far. It should be an exciting one, so we hope over under of 63 and a half. Chiefs and the Rams, which will decide a lot of fantasy games this week. If you have a lead right now, don't feel comfortable because if your opponent has some players in this game, you could be in trouble. Make sure you check me out, ScoutFantasySports.com. Become a member today. Ronis70 gets you 70% off your first month. That's basically free. You can check out the Fantasy Football Week 12 waiver wire pickups and early look. I'll have the Fab Guide up tomorrow. Podcast from Dr. Roto, the Week 11 prescription notes, the injury report. Ask your questions on the message boards and forums. Check out ScoutDFS.com as well. NBA, NHL, and NFL. Plenty of ways to win money. And VegasWhispers.com for your sports betting needs. Have some uh, breaking news as well. Not, it's not a big, but uh, you know, if you were playing DFS on Thursday, maybe you're looking at someone cheap. But uh, Cowboys tight end Jeff Swain broke a bone in his wrist yesterday. He's going to need surgery. Sounds like it will not be season-ending, according to David Hellman. But he won't be available Thursday. Uh, and also, Sammy Watkins is active tonight. It didn't look like he would be playing because he didn't practice Friday or Saturday, but. Uh, he is active tonight. So I can't blame people who didn't wait around for him. If you didn't have another option, you made the right choice. This is certainly surprising to see that uh, he is active tonight. Mentioned previously before the break, uh, Andrew Luck. I mean, I don't know why I keep getting questions on him. One of the questions I got was, who do I start? Andrew Luck, Ryan Fitzpatrick, or Marcus Mariota. Like, how is that even a debate? Now, if you have luck in Breeze, luck in Mahomes, like I'm playing Mahomes over everyone pretty much. So, you know, if you, and it's possible you have a luck Mahomes combo, but like luck should be a top five quarterback pretty much every week. I mean, what else does he have to do? It is now seven consecutive games of at least three touchdowns. He hasn't been sacked in the last four games. Frank Reich has done a tremendous job. I know the Colts are five and five. But, you know, it was a new offense, new coaching staff, and it took some time for them to get adjusted. And they were competitive in a lot of games late, and they lost some close ones. But they're playing really good football right now. And Andrew Luck's rolling. He's back. He's not getting touched. You know, they did a good job. Uh, I did see center Ryan Kelly got hurt, so it's something to keep an eye on. But they have done a really good job. You got We mentioned this on Friday when Willie Walls came on. We were talking to Yves. I'm like, 
Look at Luck's price, and no one plays him every week. You know, everyone's looking elsewhere. Meanwhile, all Andrew Luck continues to do is go out there and put up big numbers every single week. 10.2 yards per attempt yesterday. So just get him in there. T.Y. Hilton finally had that big exploding game that we expected. Nine for 155 and two touchdowns. It was nice to use him in DFS this week. Uh, the disappointment was Eric Ebron. And look, we all knew this was coming. You knew this. You can't continue to be relying on touchdowns and not be on the field. And we saw it with Jack Doyle. And it was happening every week. But you knew at some point he was not going to score a touchdown. And it happened yesterday. He wasn't even targeted. Now, they did lead 24-3 at the half, so they only attempted 29 passes, so they really didn't need it in this game. As I mentioned before, he did attempt to pass to Andrew Luck in the end zone, which was ridiculous. Andrew Luck basically dove for it going down on his shoulder, like, what are you doing? You know, Andrew Luck's coming off this shoulder injury that kept him out for a while. No, don't do it. Don't put your quarterback in that situation. We're seeing a lot of teams do some odd stuff with their quarterbacks and Taysom Hill, that's another story with the Saints. I feel like he's in there too much. You got Drew Brees, just roll with him. But, you know, Ebron did play 25 snaps. Again, only 21 in Week 10, but he had three touchdowns. But we see him with Doyle active, you know, the numbers go down. So you have to take that into account. And uh, to me, he's not a tight end one. I don't think you can rely on him at this point when he's not on the field consistently. Now, he has a better shot of scoring touchdowns than a lot of other tight ends because the Colts definitely – use him in the slot, and they definitely use him near the goal line. But being, being relying on that week in, week out is just very, very dicey. So just take that into account if you have been rolling with Eric Ebron at this point. Saquon Barkley had a huge game, as we expected. He was definitely an optimal play in the optimizer for ScoutDFS.com and 27 for 142 and two rushing touchdowns. Didn't even need to be involved much in the passing game, just two for – 10 and he's just a stud uh, if you use Eli Manning as a streamer it was fine you know they had a big lead and then held him off but he only attempted 18 passes 231 and two touchdowns so he came through there and as we mentioned uh with the Buccaneers Mike Evans in a nice bounce back spot and if you used him in DFS he came through six for 120 and a touchdown on seven targets and we have to keep an eye on OJ Howard who's going for a second opinion on his ankle injury that he sustained late in the game uh, on uh, on Sunday. The Texans continue to roll. They've won seven straight now. They'll be playing the Titans on Monday night, so they're in firm control of that division there. Uh, Kiki QT returned, and he led the team in targets with nine. Five catches, 77 yards. So I was a little hesitant to use him this week if you had him, just because you wanted to see how he would be involved in the offense. But they've done a really good job of manufacturing touches for him. They've even given him some attempts on the ground. They didn't in this one. But, uh, you know, he, he's a weapon on this team that I think you can consider as a wide receiver three in PPR formats for sure. And he's been involved. He's been on the field. He had the 11 for 109 game in week four. Then he's had six for 51, three for 33. He got hurt against Jacksonville when he was one for three and then five for 77. So, you know, he's been getting the targets when he's been on the field. But it has hurt Demarius Thomas. I mean, Demarius Thomas. Boy, what a disaster. If you used him this week, you've got to be furious, man. Uh, I have him in one league, and I did not start him. Started Devin Funches instead. Not That not, that didn't go much better, but at least he was getting the uh, the targets and, uh, and had an opportunity to catch a touchdown and dropped it. But Demarius Thomas, so his first game, 
with Houston was against his former team, Denver. First drive of the game, three for 61, or early in the game. In the last seven quarters, Demarius Thomas has no receptions. I guess I see he had one target yesterday, but man, we've always said this. When receivers change teams in the offseason, oftentimes it does not work out well. There's an adjustment period. Now you're asking a receiver to change teams in the middle of the year? Now it's been pretty good for Amari Cooper so far, and part of it is because they have no one else. We knew when Cooper was going there, he's going to get the bulk of the targets. So the volume is there. That's not the case for Demarius Thomas. Let's not forget DeAndre Hopkins is there. So Hopkins is going to get a ton. And now they have Kiki Kuti. And this is a team that they're not going to pass a lot if they don't have to. You know, their defense has played better. In this one, they led most of the way. It's not like it was a, a big blowout, but Deshaun Watson only attempted 24 passes in this game. And he has really not had huge volume this year. Uh, and I think that's, you know, he's been productive as a quarterback this year. But he has one game of more than two touchdowns. It was the five-touchdown game against Miami. And even in that game, he attempted 20 passes. Look at the pass attempts for Watson since he, he had three straight games of at least 40 pass attempts from weeks three to five since then. 25, 24, 20, 24, 24. It's amazing that he's still been pretty productive and he's not running much either. But uh, that's why Watson has not been that big-time quarterback that we wanted this year. He just has not had to pass that much. They had 31 rushing attempts, 20 for Lamar Miller, 8 for Alfred Blue in this one. Jordan Reed finally had a big game. You know, we've been talking about it every week. We keep saying, well, look at his price. We talked about it on Friday in DFS. Like, well, because I didn't even look and realize how far his price dropped. I think he was 39 on DK. We knew it was a pretty good matchup, and he had 7 for 71 and a touchdown on 11 targets. Now, the touchdown did not come from Alex Smith because he left the game. It was from Colt McCoy. So maybe it just wasn't Smith and, and Reed weren't getting the synergy. But certainly a good sign there for Jordan Reed. Again, they really don't have much on this team. Trey Quinn did make his season debut. He was Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick of the draft. and uh, But he's a pretty good player, and he had four for 49 working out of the slot. So some, someone to keep an eye on in deeper leagues. I think you could add him. They play Dallas this week, so it's going to be a slow-paced game, and Dallas defense is good. They do struggle a little bit in the slot, though, so uh, definitely something to take into account. And I thought the Jags were going to beat the Steelers this week, and I was feeling good about that pick. Sitting there, I'm like, oh, it's 16-0. All right. But, man, Blake Bortles was brutal. They have no faith in this guy at all. He, had, he was 10 for 18 for 104 yards. He took six sacks. Some of the throws he made were just Awful. I mean, they clearly have no confidence in him right now. They ran the ball a lot. If you're a Leonard Fournette owner, you're happy because he's getting the bottom. He's not very efficient right now. Look, there's no threat of a passing game there. Fournette was 28 for 95 and a rushing touchdown. He also caught two passes for 46 yards. The receivers did nothing. I mean, this is a receiving core. You've got to avoid at this point, you know, and, and, and they're not going to be playing from ahead every game. They do play Buffalo this week. The last I saw, they were only favored by three. That's how fall they are far they have fallen. They're three and seven, pretty much out of it. But I don't feel good about any of these receivers. Dante Moncrief was the one showing the most consistency. He was one for eleven. They just didn't run the ball at all. Ben Roethlisberger had that typical road Pittsburgh disappointing first half, but he did rebound if you used him three fourteen, two touchdowns and three picks. James Conner had an awful game. Nine for twenty five, drop passes and was six for twenty four. 
Antonio Brown found a way to come through, 5 for 117, and Juju 8 for 104. But, man, just an abysmal performance by Jacksonville. This is a game that they had easy. They had it wrapped up, and uh, they just could not put it away. Uh, dreadful, man, just dreadful. Uh, and it's tough to have faith in any of these uh, guys right now. The Saints just absolutely clobbered the Eagles yesterday, 48-7, to and they did it with – Everyone except the stars for the most part. Drew Brees, 363 and four touchdowns. Ingram, 103 rushing and two touchdowns. Here's the thing with Ingram. And I know I answered this on uh, the message boards. A lot of times I'll say, especially in non-PPR, well, Ingram has the best shot of this group to get a touchdown. And there are going to be weeks where he lets you down, but they're using both. And this Saints offense is just so explosive. You know, they're putting up 40-plus points every week. So... You pretty much have to use Ingram. He's an RB2, and you just have to understand that there might be a couple games here or there where it's all Alvin Kamara or Michael Thomas, but you want to invest in this offense. And, you know, he came back and had the two-touchdown game. Then he had a couple of disappointing games, 12 for 32, 13 for 63. But uh, last week, 13 for 104, 3 for 58, and receiving touchdown this week, the two touchdowns. So... You'd rather be in an, in an offense like this. Uh, and Ingram didn't have a target in the game. As I mentioned, Kamara only had one, but it went for a 37-yard touchdown. Traquan Smith was the story, as we touched upon earlier. For the Eagles, my goodness. Oh, my. Oh, Carson Wentz. I don't even know what he scored in seasonal, but uh, it had to be like, what, two, three points? Especially, well, if your interceptions were minus six, minus two, even worse. Uh, the one bright spot is someone I've talked about on this show for weeks, and I've been stashing him in leagues. Josh Adams, we heard the comments from Doug Peterson last week. He said, okay, Adams is going to get more touches going forward. Now, he was the lone bright spot in this game, but there were an encouraging sign. He played 28 snaps, 55% of the snaps. He only had seven carries, but again, they trailed from immediately. But he had 7-53 and a touchdown on the ground. He had six targets going into this game. He had one target. One target. And I know he didn't play a lot of snaps until week eight. Even week eight, 18 snaps, one target. Week 10, 19 snaps, no targets. So the fact that they were getting him involved in the pass game both well, he had three for 19. So I really like Adams. I think he's going to be the back going forward. I know they've pretty much done a committee there under Peterson, but it seems like small one and Clement on their background. So Adams this week gets the Giants. There are some good matchups upcoming. I know Philly is a disaster, but I really like Adams. Uh, as a pickup, if he's still available. I started him in my 14-team home league. Every other league I had him, though, was on the bench. I have him in the scout online league. Here's the thing, and this is a perfect example. We, we'll talk about this in every sport, but specifically football. We mentioned it from time to time. When you pick up these guys earlier, they're cheap. I remember getting, I think it was during their bye week, for like 34 bucks Because I looked and I said, okay, I don't think people are going to be on Adams this week. You know, people look and say, oh, committee he's not going to catch the football but i was banking on the talent watching this guy he's a big back he's a big back he looked good 6'2 220 picked him up i picked him up in a league last week for a buck i was running out of fab that's why it's a hundred dollars and i didn't start him but you know that's why you get these guys earlier and uh you know definitely talked about him a couple weeks ago so that's the key especially in your competitive leagues you got to get these guys early adams is a primary example Golden Tate had eight targets, five for 48. So at least you saw him more involved than Zach Ertz. Damn, one of the biggest disappointments of the week. Two catches for 
15 yards on three targets. This guy's been money in the bank every single week. And someone that you're looking to jam in your in your lineup in DFS is one of the more reliable tight ends, and it didn't happen. Uh, encouraging sign here for Philip Lindsay. You know, we did see Royce Freeman back, and Freeman did get a touchdown. But it was uh, Lindsay who had the bigger game, 11 for 79, two rushing touchdowns. Also caught four passes for 27 yards. So, look, he's not going to score two touchdowns every week. And Royce Freeman did have seven carries for 23 yards. Lindsey has been the better back. I know Freeman often sees more seven, eight-man fronts. I saw that stat a couple weeks ago. Obviously, Freeman's been out and just returned. But it seems like Lindsey, and he's in in more passing situations, but they're using him on early downs now. He just looks like the better back. Uh, and Freeman, very touchdown dependent. It's tough to use him. Cortland Sutton has just not had the impact we thought. Now, he did have a, a big play late for 39 yards, but six targets, three for 78. I think we were hoping for more uh, from Cortland Sutton, so I'm hoping that he can evolve. Uh, obviously, you know, the passing offense has not been great with Case Keenum. Phillip Rivers had 401 passing yards, two touchdowns, two picks, but the Chargers lost. This is a typical Chargers loss. You know, it's just when you're ready to say, all right, here we go. This is going to be the team. That makes a run, and I'm still not giving up on him, but definitely disappointing that they lost this game at home to Denver. But divisional games can be tough. That's why you never take those for granted. And Antonio Gates turning back the clock, five catches for 80 yards and a touchdown. I think Gates thought this weekend was Veterans Day. He could barely move out there, but give him credit. He's still playing. Certainly can't rely on him, but, man, 80 yards and a touchdown for Antonio Gates. Never thought I would see it this year. And last night, you know, the Bears made a big statement. I know the final score says 25-20, to 20, but they really controlled this game, and uh, the Vikings were terrible. Kirk Cousins, the line doesn't really show how he played. He was bad, and he finished with 262, two touchdowns and two picks if you use them. They couldn't get Dalvin Cook involved in the running game. I know he had a fumble on the ground. He had 9 for 12, but three catches for negative two yards. you got to find a way to get him involved in the pass game. Stephon Diggs, 13 for 126 and a touchdown. A lot of it came late, and... Uh, you know, it was the Bears' defense getting it done. They had a pick six. They've been really good this year. They are now 7-3. and three. They lead the division, but they didn't really get much fantasy production from anyone in this game. Uh, touchdown for Anthony Miller, and that's pretty much it. Um, nothing much on the ground, so it was a lot of the defense getting the job done for the Bears. That wraps it up here, but in the meantime, check me out. ScoutFantasySports.com. Enter the promo code RONAS70 to get 70% off your first month. And I'll be back on Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.